Hail, hail. Good evening, folks, and welcome along to the latest episode of the Endless Silks podcast. Uh, my name's Anthony. I'll be the host for tonight, and I'm delighted to be joined by two of the show regulars, uh, Ross and Francis. How are you tonight, boys? All good, good all mate. good, Anthony. Good. First Thanks Monday. Uh, a, a lovely episode of Clyde One there. Uh-huh. Uh, I totally forgot about it. Uh, I never heard much of <laughs> it. I was working late the night, but... I was going to say, this is my first Monday in about three months. I actually forgot how much of a pain in the arse it is to get ready for a Monday night. Usually I finish a wee bit earlier on a Friday and you've got plenty of time. Ah, it is a nice wee top, kid. It is a nice wee top. I wanted the say. black one, but it was sold out. I've been trying for ages to get the black one. It's had to settle for this one. Yeah. Uh, it's a cracker, mate, I have to say. Uh, it, was, uh, oh, it was an absolute belter, man. Martindale for Rangers, that seems to I be the I've seen that uh, one. The rallying cry. Oh. Uh, that's 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 their circus. No air monkeys. And um, dearie me, dearie dear. That's it. So uh, and welcome along as well to everyone in the comments. Uh, it looks like we've got a few in already. Get involved in the show. It's what you guys make it. And uh, yeah, get involved in the discussion and see what uh, see if you agree with the thoughts of the boys tonight. Uh, just a wee bit of housekeeping before we get started. Thanks to our um, sponsors, Beer Fifty Two. Uh, the code still stands, guys. If you want to get a free case of beer, provided you cover the posting, uh, just log on to the, the website, beer52.com, and use the code CELTS. Get yourself a wee box of uh, bevy and uh, assorted other goodies uh, on behalf of the, our show sponsors. And uh, also, just also look at the results of the weekend from our Super 6 competition. Clearly, wasn't it just Celtic extending their lead at the top? Francis, you are extending. You're now eight clear. Um, <laughs> uh, we're 184 points. Uh, James Bowie in second, uh, 176. 168, Kevin, is it Hamp, Um Alistair Jack on 165. And in fifth place, uh, we're 164. Um, it's somebody else. Oh, I can't write me. I my own handwriting. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, but get involved, guys. Um, <laughs> pick six, but six, six results, and uh, if you get all the the uh, the scores right, you'll you'll move up the league table. And there'll be a wee prize at the end of the season uh, for those who wins, unless it's Franny, because if he thinks I'm queuing to buy him a mug at the superstore, he's got another thing coming. Uh, <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, as Monty was saying in the chat there as well, um, obviously we, we would reiterate that. Big love to, to John and, and everyone. Right. Uh, so, only one place to start, boys. It was yeah. another eventful <laughs> weekend <laughs> at Celtic Park as they uh, took to the field. Certainly another roller coaster day. And uh, we came away with the three points, Ross. Just another routine day at the office. I well, you say routine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was routine, but uh, we got there in the end. Um, I mean, the game itself. I thought we started. Thought we started on the front foot very well. We made a couple of chances. Jota had one. Then we got our goal. And you think, right? What was? It? I think it was about six minutes. And you think, right? That's us settled into the game. We're at home. We're going to take four or five off of Dundee United today. Then the decision that we'll talk about. I'm sure at length soon. Uh, comes around and for me I don't think the team recovered for that decision I think mentally they, they, they just didn't recover they couldn't get out the bat 
and it took them until Dundee United equalised to get that goal sparked them back into life and it they just showed in the final minutes uh, what they're capable of but I, I definitely I mean that decision played a big part and uh, how we performed because uh, we started well like I say and then it was really flat after that it was, and uh, yeah, like you say, thankfully we managed to regroup and, uh, and come away with the three points in the end. But um, Franny, what was your thoughts on the game? Ah, it was something similar. I had had my dad then to watch it, and I was I was kind of cursing it. He was he's camped down. He's no wanting guys subbed after five minutes in that. <laughs> uh, I know Terry. <laughs> it was honestly for the last sort of half hour. He hardly watched any. He just kept on turning around trying to talk to us and that. And I was like, Dad, I'm trying to concentrate in the game here, but. Uh, it was it was a a weird game because I I never really picked up because I think it was you yourself Ross that said on your group chat like after like during the game that you feel like that uh, decision kind of don't know spooked us is the right term or whatever but you just it seemed something just happened within the team and you kind of I never seen it myself until you sort of mentioned that and it does it did seem to have an impact on on the game and on the on the team just and you said it yourself and the the stadium seemed a wee bit a wee bit quieter and flat and it was just it was a strange game for a a, a long period and what let you see that uh, the late Tony Watt goal and then obviously we just that as Ange said that he sell the cliche we we never stop and pretty much straight up the park and Kyogo scores and normal teams maybe just sitting and trying to defend the, the free two. But no, we'll, we'll just go up the park and just make the scoreline a wee bit more convincing than what it what it maybe seemed at one point. Well, well, that's it, and I, I I would agree. Um, you know, being at the ground itself, the, the we'll come to the decision soon, but just the 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 length, it, regardless of what the decision was and and the outcome of that, it was just the the length of time taken to to decide on, you know, to come to a decision one way or another, definitely had an effect. And obviously we had the, the second incident as well involving Yakimakis. And um, it just felt, it, there was definitely a quietness about the stadium. Um, and I definitely think it, it played a part. Um, but thankfully, uh, all was well in the end. Certainly wasn't flat come the 92nd minute, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, but uh, Franco, I'm going to come straight back to you because of course we will get on to uh, the VAR controversy and, and everything else uh, later on in the show. But one player I wanted to touch on uh, to start with was uh, Haksabanovic. He made a start on on Saturday. He was on the on the right hand side. Uh, Jota making his uh, long awaited comeback and out, out on the left. And um, I think that was what uh, we were, I was actually speaking to a guy that was sitting next to the game just before the, the match kicked off. That what we've liked so far uh, since we've seen Haksabanovic being introduced into the team that you can clearly see he's a player that's very versatile can cover a whole uh, range of positions. And uh, wherever he's been asked to play, we can't really say that he's let us down. I've, I've been very impressed by him. But the one thing we've still been waiting on him doing is uh, breaking his duck and getting on the score sheet. And he uh, came up trumps with two on Saturday. Uh, I, I really like the the boy. He kind of excites me. He looks a proper like European-level player. And it obviously showed flashes against Real Madrid in the, the home game in the Champions League. Then he obviously had a good good 45 minutes uh, at Shakhtar away and stuff and had some good performances in the league and we were asking for more of them but then obviously Ange comes out and says that he's still 
finding his feet and getting up to speed, and we'll probably see more of him after the World Cup. So, in a way, maybe these two goals have came at a stupid sounds that come at the wrong time for Haxavanovic because maybe I feel like these goals will help him kick on because I say I'm really, really impressed with the guy. Really excited to see what he's got to produce in a Celtic top and the goals is obviously just going to help help the guy and give him give him confidence. You start flying like you look at a bad and Jota, they just they they got off the flyers with the goals and just it builds their confidence. So I think that'll help his confidence. So maybe in a way the World Cup's coming at the wrong time for him because we've only got a couple of games left, but I'm really, really excited to see what this guy's got to bring to the table. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any uh, disagreement there, Ross. I know you've kind of been waxing lyrical about him in the group chat, and uh, I think as well, well, I just want to pick up on something you were saying last week about how you feel that potentially in January um, we might still look to, to strengthen up front again. We've obviously spoke about Maeda playing through the middle, do you think that perhaps that could be some Haxavanovic could do as well? Um, po- I mean, possibly. We, we've never obviously seen him playing that central sort of striker role. Uh, when he was first brought in, it was my understanding that he could play that role. But then seeing him being deployed in the sort of 10 role, absolutely, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing him being deployed in the sort of 10 role, I thought, well, maybe when they said they could play central, it was that role rather than a, a, a number nine, if you like. I know he's got number nine in his back, <laughs> so, I mean, that could be a potential giveaway. Um, what I would say is, I don't... I was going to say I don't think he's dynamic enough to play that, mm-hmm. but then the reason I say that is because when Kyogo plays through there, He's dynamic. But then you play Giacomacus, but he brings the physicality to that role that Kyogo doesn't. I don't think, I think Haxabanovic is a bit in between the both of them. Personally, what I've seen him, I like him either side and in the 10 role. I'm not so sure being an out and out number nine is his game, but he might prove us wrong. Uh, but given that Ange hasn't used him, to this point in that position, he probably doesn't fancy him as that either. Well, that's that, I suppose. I mean, he played Maeda through the middle straight away on his debut, mm-hmm. didn't he? I mean, I know that might have been just through to the, the fact of uh, you know fitness and whatnot of other players, but um, yeah, like you say, for the, the amount of time he's been here already, he's, it's not a position he's featured in. So, But wherever he seems to play, he seems to come up with the goods, whether that be assisting or with the goals now. Uh, and amongst other things. So he's a very well, you know, 1.75 million, I think it was something like that we paid for him. It's already looking like a... Something along those yeah. lines, yeah. And, uh, you know, when you add that to the likes of, you know, what we paid for O'Reilly, uh, amongst others, needless to say, I think we can all uh, agree that uh, Big Ange has got an eye for a bargain in the transfer market. Gifted but, um, the gab as well if he's getting boys in at that money. <laughs> I think it was because he came for Russia as well, eh? so he was getting you're able uh, to get them a bit possible. cheaper. But um, uh, I mean, discount. it's still good business. Aye. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what can we say? So, boys, there's no point in going much further into the show without addressing the elephant in the room. And uh, three weeks in a row, this is the third uh, weekend of VAR. It was the first time it'd been implemented at Celtic Park in a league game, and. Yet again, 
you're left scratching your head um, at some of the decisions that it's uh, coming to. Or maybe, you know, there will be people that say, you know, VAR is just a tool. Um, the only pr- the pr- main problem is the tools that are implementing it. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a very famous theory, Ross. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's Ricky Gervais talks <laughs> about it. I've about lost my coffee there, kid. <laughs> <laughs> But um, there's a very famous theory um, about the nature of infinity. And um, I can't remember the, the guy who came up with it, but he, he basically theorised that if you could put an infinite amount of chimps or an infinite amount of monkeys and give them an infinite amount of typewriters and they just typed and typed and typed and typed and typed forever, eventually chimps could utilise the tool and um, be able to write the entire works of Shakespeare. I think after three weeks, uh, those in charge, uh, the video assistant referee in Scotland have proved that it doesn't matter how many chimps you put behind, that theory is null and void. Um, what was your thoughts on, we'll start with the penalty decision. I mean, it's, I'll leave it to you. Well, I mean, it's like Ange says, right? <laughs> to finish a one line sentence <laughs> hi money <laughs> um, aye so it's like Anne says right if they're going to be getting penalties no matter what if it, if it just touches your hand in the box it's a penalty right mm-hmm. then fair enough that's a penalty on Saturday but they didn't give us the one at Tynecastle and the argument was was his hand in an unnatural position, right? So that's fair enough. So then you look at it and you go, right, so I watched sports scene, the couple of guys on that, I think it was Bartley and the boy Kettlewell or something like that, uh, uh, and they were saying that they felt, they felt it was a penalty because his hand was in an unnatural position, right? So by that argument, are they telling me that if, if his hand's in an unnatural position, he, they're essentially saying that uh, Bernabé has deliberately put his hand there because it's 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 a deliberate movement if it's unnatural. But that's that's my take on it. So are they telling me, in the time the ball passes his over his head, is it half a second that he's would, made a conscious? That, he's made a conscious decision, knowing that Fletcher, the back of him, is going to header it and he's going to block it with his back to the ball. Is that, that's what they're essentially saying. That's, that's essentially what they're saying. Yeah. Aye, it, which is totally ridiculous, right? But then, if they still want to run with that narrative that it's an unnatural position, for me, it is a natural position. I don't care what they say. Okay, the hand is out, right? But you've got to take into account, Bernabé goes up, to header a ball clear, right? He doesn't connect with the ball, but he, he does the whole motion of what you would do to header the ball away. And in doing that, I'm not going to be able to do it sitting here, right? But in doing that, you jump up, right? So they're, they're accepting that when you jump up, your hands go up in the air, right? Now, he's tried to header the ball away with force, right? And in doing that, when you header the ball with force, your arm automatically swings out. Because you do that to get the, like if anybody that's ever headered a ball away for goal, you do that to get power on the header. Mm. I know that 
you, you could say use the power on the ball, but you still do it. And your hand naturally goes there then. So for me, it is a natural position because he's done the motion they had on the ball away, but they're just ignoring that. So that, mm-hmm. And by the way, these guys sitting in the studio, they don't care. They've not got any allegiance towards Celtic or Rangers. But, like, I don't know how they can look at that and say that that isn't a natural position. It's bizarre. And for me, I don't know what the rule is anymore. <laughs> and I'm not going down. I'm I'm not going down the the route of conspiracies and all the rest of it. Right? You could go down that route, but we'll stick to the the, the facts. And for me, his hands in a natural position. I don't know how he can possibly. <laughs> hey, by the way, header header a ball clear. But uh, <laughs> for me, it's it is a natural position. I don't know how you can say anything else. And like, I don't know how they expect Bernabé to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Even if they say it isn't a natural position, he can't get out of the way that. He doesn't know mm-hmm. it's there. I would see mm-hmm. the point if he was facing him up and something happens. Because then you can say he's he's deliberately made his body bigger because he can see where the ball's going. But you can't argue that he's deliberately made his body bigger when he can't see what's going on in the back. <laughs> it's, it's completely fucked up and it wasn't a penalty. And MD it says it was a penalty can get right to fuck. <laughs> I think, Franny, just still, you know, sticking with the penalty decision. A lot of guys in the in the comments there have brought up a very good point and, you know, anyone that was there will see it as well. There was no protest from the Dundee United players um, when it happened. So... And this is but this is my big problem with our. It's it's meant to be clear and obvious. I think I've heard this rant before, but it's meant to be clear and obvious. Um, you know, serious. You know, you know, violent conduct. You know, red a potentially missed red card, something like that. Obviously, the goal line technology is there for you know. It's definitely went over the line. Something like that. The the, the sort of stuff that sh- is supposedly not debatable. I feel like they're almost trying to find things now. To, to stop the game, it's like no no Dundee United player protested for it. I don't I know that that doesn't automatically mean that it's not a penalty, but for all the reasons Ross outlined, I agree with every single one of them. It's and what scares me is that you've got ex professionals like Marvin Bartley. I don't know what if, Kettlewell if he's one of these Ian Cathro figures or you know gets a manager's job because he's good at football manager or you know I don't know what his background is, but you've got sound this guy in the plant. Grown men, guys with real sort of nous in the game, looking at that, apparently deploying common sense and coming to the decision that they think that's a penalty kick. If it is, I don't know the rules of the game anymore. And they certainly, if the rules, if that is the rule, it does not have an ounce of common sense attached to it. I thought I'm just a. That's a handball, then I, I don't know the handball rule anymore. And what, like, like you said, Amson, I noticed folk in the comments saying not one player uh, uh, shouted for the penalty, and you know, no hands were raised by any Dundee United players. I that obviously doesn't mean that it's no penalty, but you've kind of got to read, read the room, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, there you go. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> like you, you look at the hearts one. The guy pulls his arm away at the road. <laughs> <laughs> he has, he 
it does like a wee face as if to go, oh, I've, I've, I've got caught, I'm going to get caught out here. Whereas Burnaby, I think, I think you see him pull his hand away, but again, I think that's a natural reaction because he knows it's hurt him, so he's trying to pull it away. But no Dundee United players asking for a penalty. And then for the referee to then look four or five times, when, now I'm not just putting this on Scottish referees because I've yet to see a game, see when the referee gets told to go to the monitor, he's then looking for a reason to change his mind to his original decision. Mm. Mm. They're not gone with a clear conscience gone. They're gone over, they're gone, ah, I've got this one, there's something wrong here. And it doesn't matter how long you look. So if you take Saturday, for example, he's no gave a penalty, but then Var's been in his ear and saying, you need to go and have a look at this. So he's now looking for a reason to give a penalty. In my opinion, he's just, he's looking, he's like, well, I didn't think it was, I've got it wrong. I need to find a reason to give a penalty then. To then, like, as mad as the penalty was, now, if they're saying that's a unnatural position, so he's deliberately put his hand up there, is that not a red card? Is, is no, no. deliberate handball stopping a goal scoring opposite and not a, like what's he booking him for? No, that's, it was the same Say against Real Madrid as well. Aye. With um, who was it with the the second penalty? O'Reilly. Oh, O'Reilly. Well. You can you can argue the debate whether or not it's a pet with the you know the ball hitting his hand or whatever, but. It's not. He's not deliberately doing it. It's. It's uh, not a booking. It's That's, almost like because I've given a penalty for handball, they thought I need to card them. But uh, it's clearly not a red card. But see and the I penalties. Think, Sorry, Franny. I thought you were finished there when you go. I was going to say like, way far. I would. You need to show everything in real time. Then I slow it down because you slow anything down, it'll look like Burnaby probably could get his hand out the way or get his hand up and stuff. You need to show the refs it in in real time. And I, I think as well, you're buying on Franny about the you know the minute they go over to the monitor. That's and and this is what bugs me about it. It's that's almost part of the culture now. If they go to the monitor, they're like, oh well, he's going to change it to Aye. whatever bar they say. And that's the that to me is re-refereeing the game, which is Aye. apparently one of the things that the, they they said that they wouldn't do. And also, it, it's making referees on the park referee the game in a different way because it's now like they're scared to give decisions. In case Far pulls him up for it, mm-hmm. any I, I, and I'm, of course I've got Celtic bias glasses on. But if I'm the referee there, and that's a Hearts or maybe a, Hearts is maybe a bad example. But if that's mm-hmm. Ross County St Mirren, and one of the guys on the bar says, oh, you, "You need to go and look at that," a it wouldn't take me five minutes to come to the decision for a start. Exactly. But you look at mm-hmm. it in real time and go, "That's not a fucking penalty, mate." <laughs> Move on. Have the have the, mm-hmm. have a, the, the guy the guy with the whistle. Should have a set of balls and all. Maybe that's the wrong term to use after last Wednesday. <laughs> just, I don't know, just be, have the courage of your own convictions and Aye. be like, no, I'm happy with my decision. Move on. And if you bug me with one of the decisions again, I'll wrap you one in the dressing room. <laughs> but you, you, have I, to, you have to wonder what, like, in the referee meetings and stuff like that, because they obviously have them. Yeah. You have to wonder what they're being told as a penalty mm-hmm. because... If you've got any understanding of the game whatsoever, that one on Saturday wasn't a penalty. The one that Aberdeen gave away at Ibrox a couple of weeks ago wasn't a penalty. The one that O'Reilly gave away at in the Bernabeu wasn't a penalty. And in my understanding of the rules, but the rules have obviously changed. They have to, and that's why I'm. I was going down the conspiracy route and the bias route uh, after the Hearts game sort of moving away from it a wee bit again because of the penalty the, the, 
the penalties that we gave away in Europe, similar. The ball's just hit his hands, it's a penalty. Doesn't matter, and basically. What falls what, what's... With, with me, though, if, if they're saying that the ball, the minute if it, it's essentially, if it's not the rule, that's still the way that they're looking at it for me now. If it hits the ball, if Paul hits a hand, it's more or less a penalty regardless Aye. now. Um, but where do you like you say you can fall into it, Ross's, but yet the one at Tynecastle, the clearest handball out of all of them, Aye. clearest handball out of all of them, they didn't even go and look at the monitor. It was in Aye. the review was over in less than twenty seconds. It's it's scandalous. And uh, it, oh, it seems to me. Sorry. sorry, I was just going to say it seems to me like they're they're trying to take away the grey area of what a handball is now in the penalty box. But they're not doing it because they're still... Ross is a damn it, Gallagher. Because I'm bald. Damn it, with added charisma. Uh, <laughs> but that, it, it's like they're trying to take away the grey area of uh, what a handball is in the box, right? But they're still not taking that away because they're still pushing this narrative a... Uh, natural one natural position so it's like you're either you either have to just say if it hits your hand regardless it's a penalty because at times they're impli- implying the rule like that is that the word implying mm-hmm. uh, whatever the fucking word is <laughs> but they're, they're saying it at times there are times they're saying about unnatural natural position I, I just I can't keep up with it now. They, there needs to be continuity. They either need to say, if it hits your hand, it's a penalty, or go back to what we've known for a number of years now that it's like you use your common sense. You can tell you've watched enough games of football that you can tell when somebody's not meant to do it or when mm-hmm. they can't get out of the road. And I know there is grey areas, some people, but I mean, on the main. You usually get it right if you use your common sense. Yeah, uh, which there seems to be a distinct lack of uh, oh. amongst the powers that be at Hamden. Um, and just obviously quickly on the on the other VAR decision as well. Now, I'll be honest, I've not seen this one back. Um, I think, given the the scoreline at the time, the frustration of the crowd with the first decision, I've certainly seen the still image and the the, 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 the Dundee United player's foot definitely looked very high. But just that with the angle off it, you can't see whether that's in front of Haxabanovic, uh, or not. Um, you guys obviously watching it on the on the telly might have had a few more angles at it. Um, again, the referee didn't go over and look at the monitor, which I think is incredible because if that is a potential red card, if you're going to go and look at the monitor for a potential penalty, surely violent conduct merits a second glance at a monitor as well. If we're going to go down that route. But um, what, what were your guys' thoughts? No, I'm, def- I'm more in the blind here than the news guys. You will be able to give a better opinion whether or not you felt it was a red card or not. Uh, for you, me, you for, for me, no. I didn't think, didn't think it was, but I agree. He wasn't even playing. Who? For me, no. Brilliant. Oh, well, he's got here a giggle when he sees us. <laughs> uh, I nearly said that again, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's one. If the referee gave the gave a red, I would have understood it. But if it happened to if the rules were reversed and it was Jakimakis on uh, the Dundee United player, I would have. I'd have thought it was a harsh red card. But mm-hmm. why the referees not looked at the monitor, I don't know. Like you say, it's 
it's a potential red card. Go and have a look, look at the monitor. Stills and stuff like that, I, I hate them because you can make anything look how you want it to fit with a still. But I, the boy's foot's high. I, I've seen some folks saying it caught Jack and Marcus on the way down. I never really noticed that in any of the replays I've seen, but he did stay down and he's a big lad. It's no like him to stay down, but uh, I would have thought it would have been harsh to be a red card. But at the same time, to totally contract, I'd have understood you could make arguments for a red card, but I would have been, if it was Celtic, I would have been disappointed in the red card. Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of the guys on one of the forums I'm on, Ross, had suggested that it, you know, if said card existed, it was maybe an orange card. <laughs> I'm not really quite sure if orange is the best colour to be using to describe in involving uh, Scottish referees, but uh, what was your thoughts on it? Um, well, if my memory serves me right, I don't even think the referee gave a foul for it. No, no. Nah. Nah. Right? So, it's at least a foul. <laughs> aye, that, that, right away, that for me, it's absolutely a foul. No two ways about it. Mm. It's absolutely a booting. No two ways about it. I think a red card, it's harsh. The foot is up. I'm a bit old school in terms of there wasn't there wasn't like heavy force in it. His foot was high. Mm. He wasn't trying to injure Jack and Marcus. He was trying to win the ball, and it was at that awkward tight where you can't go for it. You can either go for it with your head, mm. and then Jack and Marcus will probably get a foul game against him, or you just overstretch with your foot because it's just a, a weird tight. You're sort of twix and twix in between, and for me, he tries to win the ball. It's a free kick. It's about him. We move on. Did did you did he, he didn't look at the monitor? Eh? No, because he never gave a free kick. So the for, I don't. Um, I I mean, for the once Jack and Marcus was getting treated, and again that that kind of mm. went on for a while before even it came up on the big screen that VAR was checking a potential red card incident. So as I say, if you're going to look at the monitor for a, a penalty which didn't cause injury or anything to anybody. Surely potential violent conduct, because that's what a straight red card surely but, stands for. I, maybe but, the middle should have another wee glance at it. Aye, but I think the referee only looks at the monitor if he's asked to look at the monitor, is uh, that right? I think so. so. I, I think so. I understand why. Because, well, I think for me, he's been asked to look at the monitor on the penalty because the people in wherever VAR is, feel like it's a penalty. But the people who are checking for the potential red card have looked at the video evidence and thought, it's not a red card. He doesn't need to look at the monitor. We'll just tell him it's, that's not a red card. But again, it's the continuity. For me, it's not a red card. I'd no issues with it. I mean, you could poke and prod at the refs till the cows came home. I just think we just that, that was a... What is it? A much, a much nothingness or whatever it is you say. I can't talk tonight, <laughs> but <laughs> um, aye, it, there wasn't a lot in it. I, I was happy to move on. I actually, when you were bringing up the other far one there, I was racking my brains trying to think what <laughs> you were talking about until you actually said that. I was like, "Fuck! I forgot that that happened." For me, it no. didn't, didn't really affect the game, and I just move on. It's it's a contact sport. There was a bit of contact. There was no malice. Yeah, that, that's fair enough, mate. Absolutely fair enough. And, of course, we, we did get... Haxabanovich made it 2-1. We went in at the break 2-1 ahead. 
with the, of course, the lion's share of possession, second half, numerous chances, couldn't quite put them away. But obviously, the last few episodes we've spoke about how we need to be a bit more clinical in front of goal, so I'm not going to go over that too much. Um, of course, we got the sucker punch, which if anybody in the, the comments that was at the game would agree, we'd had a couple of warning signs uh, coming up to that. I'm trying to think we hit the Dundee United hit the post from a corner kick, Gregory Taylor knocked one off, off the line uh, just about five, ten minutes beforehand. So there were warning signs that we had to get that third goal or there was a chance that Dundee United could catch us on the sucker punch. And they duly did with the floated ball into the box. I still can't make my mind up if um, what gets the head on it or not, but uh, needless to say, it goes in the, the far corner anyway. And, um, of course, uh, Hugh Keevans and the rest of the Clyde One gang were absolutely ecstatic. If anybody's heard the, the footage back, um, they thought they were getting ready to celebrate um, another two drop points for Celtic and were going to get ready to get stuck into them on the phone and on the way home. But needless to say, Franco, there was two more goal flashes to come. First one from a wee wizard up front, Kyogo, who uh, got us with a headed goal for a corner. Don't know what kind of sorcery that is, but we seem to be improving on it anyway. And then a badder. We had a delightful wee chip to absolutely seal it. The crowd might have been a bit flat after the VAR decision, but it was absolutely bouncing when they two went in. <laughs> um, it's just, a, as Zan says, it's just another um, example of, it's not just a phrase, we literally do never stop. Uh, it was, I mean, it did feel a wee bit like you could potentially see a Dundee United game go coming. It kind of was going that way. See, before they see the heart comments, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't get it, man. Like, why is everybody, is a gut, is keepers are just, the nobody remembers the saves. It's always a couple of wee bad things in that. Like, I don't see where this cold carry on with hearts rubbish, hearts this. Like, He's no a bad goalkeeper. He's a good goalkeeper. Like just think about all the good saves that he does. Um, yep, great. But, uh, what was I so? I thought Ange, Ange was obviously key to as getting the goal because as soon as Dundee United scored, it brings on Maeda and goes two up top. So it was like it's tons of pace. Obviously, there's not much of the game left, but you're like, well, defenders are maybe maybe Manakas will stretch them and maybe get a chance. And uh, I think we had a couple of corners leading up to that that uh, mm. Carter Vickers had one ten right off his head, but I think maybe leads to the corner that we scored for. And then O'Reilly wasn't the best corner, but then Ralston's just standing at the front post. Does does what any good decent player does? He flicks it on to kind of keep the move alive. And obviously that we flick does the first couple of Dundee United defenders and Kyogo standing sort of uh, four or five yards out and just. A nice header at the bottom corner, and like you say, the 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 pitch went mental, and that was it. It was I don't like that Clyde uh, thing you're talking about with Hugh Keevans. I don't know. See if that is the timing of that as how it happened. That's absolutely brilliant. If it's no, somebody's et- got top notch editing work, but I really hope that was maybe Rob John. <laughs> maybe it was just John. I really hope that. Hugh Keevans, we commentary how we say oh, it's, it's two points dropped, all this, it's, it'll give Rangers a lift going to Perth and things like that. I, I really hope the timing of that because it's just like, he's right on the end going, now we're going to Celtic it could have been the day that Celtic went seven points clear but it's got to be the day that they drop two points and you just hear, go flash and it's free to <laughs> it's, I just hope that is the exact timing and I then, a badder, like, like I touched on earlier 
some normal teams will just sit and we've got away with one. Maybe not necessarily got away with one, but we've managed to again snatch snatch a victory in the dying seconds of a game and stuff. Teams might just kind of sit back, maybe try and keep a hold of the ball, waste some time, but no, there's a bad in Maeda, both bursting, bursting a gut. O'Reilly picks a great pass. Maeda does well. He holds off the, the Dundee United defender, does try to get a touch on it. Thankfully, does it because I think Abada would have been offside. But Abada is one that we've said that he seems a more instinctive player in front of goal, but he showed tons and tons of composure just to run and just dink it over the goalkeeper. It was an absolutely brilliant goal for him that just made the last 10 seconds a lot more, a lot easier to deal with. It, it, it certainly did. I mean, obviously, when the third goal went in, Ross, you know, everyone was absolutely elated because we knew there was no way that. Bard was going to find a way of calling that off. Um, they obviously had a look at the fourth goal, but uh, thankfully, Maeda's lack of a first touch proved fruitful uh, for a <laughs> change, and uh, we, we managed to get the, the, the fourth goal. And as Franny says, a great touch from Abada. But um, just your, your thoughts on the, the two goals uh, that got us the three points, and obviously Angie's post-match review, he says, he says it's not by chance now. This is, this is just the way we play, you know, even... Even if we concede a late goal, we're still like, well, there's, there's plenty of time left. You know, we, we can. It's drummed into these guys now that you play till the very final whistle. Uh, well, I think that's it's in Celtic's DNA anyway to do that. Um, I think similar to like Manchester United, uh, they've just done it throughout their history. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate Man United, but I, <laughs> I have to admit that's 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 what they've done. Maybe not so much recently, but I mean. When Dundee United equal, equalise, um, I'm thinking it's two points dropped this time because we got away with one at um, McDermott Park. We came up trumps. <laughs> By the way, it's bang on. Um, <laughs> I, we got away with one at McDermott Park. Obviously, we go pretty much go straight up the park and get the winner with Jack and Marcus. This time... I, before we restarted the game, I was like, we're not going to get away with it the day. It was similar, and like you'd said, it was quite flat. It was flat at McDermott Park, but the warning signs were coming, were there that the goal was coming. And then they duly got the goal. Uh, but I think, like I say, I thought it was that was at two points dropped. And then they went up the park, and I think they got a free kick, and... O'Reilly whips it in, and then at, at that point, I, th- I can't mind if that was if it was for that free kick that Carter Vickers' header gets saved, or if it's for a corner. Mm-hmm. But they had get a free kick and they got a corner in quite quick succession. I think I was thinking to myself, we are, we've got to score here, and then they get the corner and like Franny so eloquently described the goal. Uh, <laughs> it's the flick on for uh, Ralston. And Kyle goes there. And it, for me now, you thought I was going to say for me no, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> for me now, <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously Kyle got that uh, goal. Who was it? He scored that beauty again. Oh, Livingston uh, the other week. And you think that's the goal that will push him on. And then, obviously, he starts in Bernabeu. It's a difficult place to play. Uh, but then, I think that goal, I think that'll do his confidence even more. The the, the goal, I mean, was a better finish, 
But what that goal meant, when it was scored, the way the fans celebrated, the way he celebrated, I think that's the goal that will give him the confidence boost to push on going into the second half of the season. I know we've got a couple of games left, then we've got the World Cup, but that, that, I think that goal will be the one that sort of gives him the lift that's needed uh, and we'll hopefully see... I think we've seen shades of it over the last couple of weeks, but we'll hopefully see the, the Kyogo uh, old uh, back in a Celtic jersey again. Uh, and then, I, I mean, Abada's goal, it's... Franny's described it, but I mean, O'Reilly's pass, brilliant. And then the finish is absolutely sublime. Uh, I, I mean, it's just a total deft touch. And then he celebrates it. It, it, it. Didn't mean as much as the, the goal we scored last, uh, that he scored last season against the United Parkhead late on, but he celebrated it every bit as wildly, <laughs> top off up on the, the advertising board. Uh, aye, the, the full team's in it together and like you say, it's no by accident now. You could say the McDermott part one, alright, we got lucky, but to do it again and to get two goals in that space of time, I just, uh, I don't like to say it, but if we keep doing that, it's, we're, we're going to be very difficult to stop. We're seven points in front. Rangers are in total disarray at the moment. <laughs> no total disarray, but they have been scraping by and it's catching up with them now. Uh, but, I mean, on a one-off game, you could still go to Ibrox and lose to them, but I would be very surprised if we did. And I think if we go to Ibrox, I think if if both teams take maximum points at the next couple of games, and then after the World Cup and that, and we go to Ibrox, I think if we go to Ibrox and win, I think the writing could be on the wall for Giovanni Van Brockhurst, who, by the way, I take no pleasure in like laughing at because he's he's one of the 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 Rangers managers that I've disliked the least. Uh, but I I think the right will be on the wall for him if we go to Ibrox and win and go into like a lady double figures. Yeah, that, that's so yeah, it might get to the point he might not even last that long. I mean I think if if something was to happen that they would draw. I mean, I'm not expecting Robbie Nielsen to, you know, send his team out um, with any kind of battle fever on on Wednesday night. But if they were to drop points at home to Hearts, I think, I think the booze would uh, would be very very hard to, to to you know drown out. And I think that's the thing when a manager's on a game by game basis, very similar to one of our own Neil Lennon a couple of years ago. When it's a game by game basis, it's just a case of when and not if. But um, like you say, not our circus, not our monkeys. Um, so we'll let that um, move on. And um, you're hoping we can, fingers crossed, increase our lead. You just never know. But before we get on to the Motherwell uh, preview, guys, just with the fact that none of you were on after the, the Real Madrid game on Wednesday night, and obviously that come, brings to an end our, our European adventures for the season, I just thought kind of get your own thoughts, sort of a little review of what your, your thoughts were on, on the campaign. Plus points, negatives, you know, what do you, do you, your thoughts on some of the views of supporters on what we should do for next season, etc. Um, Ross, we'll come to yourself first. Um, what were your thoughts on yeah, performances, the, the overall end results and um, your hopes for, for next season? Um, I mean, I, I, I've been over 
this numerous times with Stephen back and forth uh, on pod- well, most of the podcasts I've been on recently have followed the European game. But um, for me, I think that they've, they've performed, everybody knows, they've performed well within most of the games. I think other than probably the the Leipzig the Leipzig game away from home and the home game against Shakhtar, I think we probably definitely got what we deserved out of the two games. The other games, I think we performed well in spells in the games. And you could argue we deserved more out of the games, but then at the same time you make the argument, well, we didn't score and they did. So we got what we deserved because we didn't take our chances and they did. But um, I'm sort of Willie sort of touched on it uh, on Friday's episode I think it was where you look at it and on paper when they face it we've got two points and it's our worst uh, amount of points we've ever accumulated in a Champions League group uh, since our first participation in it but like Willie I'm, I'm buoyant I'm positive because of the way we've played, I, I don't think any other Celtic team have played the football as confidently and dominated spells of matches like this Celtic team have. And they've just not got the rewards, eh, which is, you, you have to say, is their own fault. Um, I'm a bit more patient with Celtic the now because I've stated numerous times I think they're they're probably by rights got into the European uh, the Champions League this season a year earlier than what they probably should have maybe not what us as fans expected because we wanted to win the league and in winning the league that that you expect no less so but by rights in terms of the rebuild and the journey they probably got there a, a year early. For me, they gave a decent account of themselves in terms of the actual games themselves. They, you, you would expect the way they played that they should have accumulated more points. They didn't, but I'm a bit more patient. Next season, I think, compared to, we played in the Europa League, we've now played in the Champions League. Okay, we didn't get the points or finish where we wanted to finish. But I still think that's progression for where we were because we've now got that year under our belt, that experience of six games. We can take that forward into the next campaign. Uh, and I get people are questioning and like, wasn't he good enough and all that. I'm okay the now, but if we go into next season and we perform as well, but we still don't take our chances and we can't go over this mental block, then you have to start asking questions. But I think you have to be a bit more patient. I would say 99% of the team have never played in the Champions League, have never played at that level. You have to be a bit more patient. These guys have hit the ground running. They've been absolutely brilliant domestically. And they won us a league title that nobody gave us a chance of winning. They've done their very best this season in Europe. But they've just no been confident enough in front of goal they've just not been in that position in that 
competition enough for me, but like anything else in life, we experience and doing it more and more. You hope, like Anne says, that we can participate in it year on year. And doing it more and more, we'll get better, we'll get more confident, that's my hope. And I understand people make the argument that the other teams will get stronger. But that's not always the case. Like, everybody thought Rangers were going to get stronger this year off the back of getting to a, a European final. They've not got stronger. And I know Rangers have not got funds like these teams, but sometimes like, you, you just don't expect it. Things can happen in a dressing room and you can go back the way. Teams are going to get better. I understand that. But they're not going to get so much better that we can't compete. And Celtic are not going to get a million times better than what they are now. But hopefully with the experience, they'll, they'll do better. That's my hope. And we'll just see what next season brings. I, I think, I can't see any way that we're not going to get into that Champions League. So, it's you just need to see what, what happens and then gauge it again for there. But right now, um, I understand where they are and I'm okay with it at the moment. I, I would agree with that, Roscoe. And, and Franny, a lot of guys, you know, they're obviously pointing, you know, two points, not good enough, blah, blah, blah. And of course, people are entitled to their opinions. But for me, one of the big things that seems to be doing the rounds at the moment is the fact <clears> that. Um, we need to sit in more, and um, you know, you know, let, let teams play the body play and try and hit them on the break, etc. I don't, I fail to understand why you would hire a manager known for attacking football, let him build a team set out to play attacking football, have that sort of philosophy breed success, and then the minute they get into the top tournament, ask them to completely. You know, disregard everything I've told you for the last year and a half, and just for this game, we're going to set up and defend. And I, you know, there's a certain irony for me that what the game where the, the group started to fall away from us. I think you can any game I get against Real Madrid, the now European champions, regardless. You know, it was I get a bit of a free hit either way, and we did we played well in elements of the game, but overall Real showed their class. Folks say it was either a point. Gained or two points dropped and um against Shakhtar. But I think the game where it fell away from us and um was Leipzig away. And there's a certain irony amongst all of these people that want us to defend rather than play the way that we want to play, that the, that night we lost because after getting ourselves back into the game, we sat back, we played within ourselves, we basically disregarded everything that Ange had tried to drum into the players and bad habits, you know, resumed. And from that, Leipzig scored. And, um, of course, you can't take into account that it was a horrific error from Joe Hart. But, as Ange said, that goal was coming anyway because the players weren't doing the way, playing the way that he wanted them to. I get that looking at some of these heavy results make you think, oh, that one, you know, we need, we need to change it about. For me, as Ross says, in large elements of the play, I've been very impressed with the way Celtic have went about their business. Although I agree, being more clinical, I think we, it doesn't take... You know, Stevie Wonder could see if we were more clinical in front of goal, we'd be having different conversations. 
But I don't think you wrap up and go to plan B. I just think you make plan A better because if you've got, if you're a bit more clinical in front of goal this season, I think that group looks markedly different. And which is why I push back on this. We need to start defending better. If you set up, and I know there's an irony of the fact that we're going to touch on the 10-year anniversary of Barcelona <laughs> when we won the game against Barcelona with 11% possession. You play that game another 99 times, Barcelona win that game every time. If you set up to only try and contain teams, more often than not, that's all that's going to happen. You're still going to lose and nobody's going to feel any better about themselves. I've kind of stepped on your point there, Franco. Sorry, what was your <laughs> thoughts on Europe? <laughs> Nah, it's similar to what you are saying. Like, I totally get what you're saying. Like, and what does that? We've said that counselling Ross especially. What does that say to the players? If you're saying domestically, right, I want you to play this way. I believe you're good enough to play this way domestically. See, when it comes to the Champions League, didn't do that, but because mm-hmm. it's pretty much telling the players, I don't think you're good enough to do it at that level. Mm-hmm. And said it before a ball was kicked. I'm going to play how I want to play football and see if it works. The Anz is testing his cell and they're just saying, I believe this is the way we've got to win football matches. Let's see if it's going to work. And for large periods of every game, we competed so, although we never won a game, that did, to say that it didn't work would, for me, is, is stupid. It, it does work. You just maybe need better players to make it work better. The guys, like you've said, experienced, like, I know I've seen some comments coming out there, I just to brush away experience, I think you need experience at that level. You just look at Real Madrid in the first game. We they showed their experience for we've all admitted for fifty to sixty minutes. We did we like we were really really well in that game and could have been could have been out of what uh, out of sight against them. And they showed their experience in that tournament. They stayed in the match just. And then eventually, eventually managed to play their way into the match and beat us 3 0. Like they showed their experience. That uh, mm-hmm. they, their experience showed in that tournament. I, I don't think you can just bat away experience. Like to say all oh, these guys have been playing football. Well, no sit like Champions League's a different level. And then if you get if you can get in there year on year, you can maybe attract a better quality player than what we've got there now, as much as we'll sit and say every player's amazing. There's better players out there. There's always better players out there. So you might progress better um, and you might be able to buy more Champions League experienced players that have played more in that competition, know how to play in that competition and things. Um, but I'm I'm okay with, with... I can understand some folks saying they were also disappointed in the Champions League, but I think that came off the after week one where we played so well against Real Madrid Leipzig got battered over in Germany of Shakhtar and we were all saying we probably should be beating Shakhtar home and away. We probably should have beat them home and away. And I think we all got carried away with that Shakhtar-Leipzig result thinking, oh, we'll just turn over Leipzig. And when really Leipzig were actually a really good team and they, they showed it against us. Um, so I'm, I'm okay with how, I don't know, like okay with how the group went performance-wise Ah, it's not great finishing two points considering the goals we did and missing up the chances that we did. But you can see what the, the manager's trying to do. You can see what the team's trying to do. Maybe get some 
better players, more experienced players next season. These players will have that under their belt. They'll maybe know how to do it. And maybe it was a wee mental block and got the occasion got to him like Wally touching it even uh, with the Iran. It's penalty. I think he he played the stadium on the occasion instead of just instead of it being a penalty. Like yeah. any other penalty. He realised two one we could that gets us back to two one just before half time. Maybe a chance to pull off a wee victory here in the Bernabeu. I think that the occasion got to him and stuff. So he could next season it's I noticed Alistair say it, it's quite hard because you just you don't know what the draw is. Like you could finish next season the exact same two points, played well in every game and finish bottom of the group. Mm-hmm. But next season you could be in a group like what uh, I can't remember who else went, but it was like so PSG, Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich that uh, really like, it's it's hard to say what you can deem as progression when you didn't know the draw. You could get an absolute Aye, totally horrendous mean. draw. And if you get like that group, that Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Inter Milan, and you're the fourth team, and if you finish fourth, fourth in that, and some folk have got to go, that's no progression. It's, they can't judge Aye, that. You, you have to judge it on Aye, what group. you've seen. Aye. Uh, Aye. Have but, to apply uh, a little bit of common sense. Exactly. <laughs> aye. I noticed uh, Stephen Stephen saying in the comments there that you can't. He's saying you can't tell me that Celtic like couldn't have done better in that group. Nobody's saying that. Everybody's saying we could have done better had we took our chances. But we're also accepting that where we are in this journey, and that is that we're not quite there yet in terms of Champions League football. But nobody's making the point that they couldn't have done better. They absolutely could have done better. And on the balance of play, they should have done better. But, again, I go back to, it's the experience of playing at that level. That Juranovic one that Franny's talking about, the penalty, that epitomises everything about Celtic's campaign and that Juranovic has never had a penalty like that in his life. Never had a penalty like that in his life. He takes it, a panenka uh, in the Europa it, League. Aye, it, like, it, it, he hits them. I'll use that word again. He hits them nonchalant. He, <laughs> like, he doesn't care. He just normally hits them. He used that aye. word nonchalant. Too. <laughs> but he hits it like he's playing down the park. He's done that. I, I've said last season that since Henry Larson, I've never seen a guy <laughs> I've never seen a. Ah, that's what he's, he's saying. Um, <laughs> I've never seen a guy since Henry Arsenal and Celtic jersey hitting a penalty as confidently. And mm-hmm. I, I was confident when we got the penalty, we were going to score. And then I seen his face, and I was like, he's not going to hit this with composure. He's, it took too long to hit it. You could just tell he, he was playing the stadium in that moment, unlike any other time when he's never done that. And that, for me, epitomised everything about Celtic in the Champions League and that they're no use to it and once they get used to it if they continue to play the way they're playing I believe personally that they'll get the reward for the fruits of their labour <laughs> what, what a wee phrase there son I just I totally agreed Ross and I think it was one of the guys Stephen put up in the comments said it was. I think it was Brian Hanlon had asked if I see enough evidence to suggest that we can do plan A better. But Brian, mate, I, I, I really do believe so. Um, when we done the, the live group stage draw here, and I came on briefly and we were saying where do we hope to finish and whatnot. And 
course, we always hope that you, 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 you kind of assume that Madrid are going to top the group, but there was talk of finishing second and third, and everyone was rightly, um, you know, hopeful of that happening. My biggest hope was that we just, just competed, but we didn't look there to make up the numbers. And although the points total is, of course, disappointing, I see enough, more than enough to say the way that we're approaching the games is the right way. We've got our own style, and that own style, to an extent, worked. But we just need that next wee bit of quality, that wee bit more composure in front of goal, that wee bit more decisiveness, and that being a little bit less slack in the middle of the park with some of these, um, you know, some misplaced passes, or whatever, because it's such fine margins. But as you say, any mistakes in the Champions League usually get punished. But I see more than enough evidence to suggest that we're about to get perhaps a similar group next year that we could look to, to make some inroads in the tournament. But um, that's us in terms of Europe for the season, boys. Uh, just another cu- couple of things to, to round oh, off. Um, the, it's the Motherwell. Um, sorry, Anthony. Somebody's asking a question here. Well, it'd be range. Um, I think Celtic can, like, like I just said, um, Hearts, Aberdeen, couldn't give two flying fucks, ones it, and um, <laughs> Rangers. I certainly hope not. And that should be. It. I, don't, and, I uh, think Celtic. I believe Celtic will do better next year. Yeah, I really do. Playing the way that they've they've been drummed into, and don't deviate for that. And by the way, somebody else had said in the comments, uh, should Ange sign Champions League level players in the next in the, the summer window for me that's difficult to do for a club like Celtic what def, what do you define a Champions League level player by because if it's a guy who's got experience he's playing like that uh, playing in that tournament in maybe the last three or four years it's a lot of millions of pounds you're going to have to pay for these guys mm-hmm. Celtic have to be astute but for me I think they need to I think Andrew's alluded to it. I think he's already got his targets for January and I think he'll get them in early because it worked so well from last season. I think he'll do that again. I think... I, I seen in the debate the other night that we were talking about, Steve was talking about selling your assets and stuff. Get what he's saying. Um, for me, if a push, a, going off of what they said, excuse me, at a push, you could maybe lose Juranovic and try and replace him. But personally, I would like to, for at least another year, to, because we're, everybody wants progression in the Champions League. And the only way you're going to do that is holding on to your main assets. Celtic put money in the bank to be able to spend. For me, if they're bringing in this uh, Japanese centre half, right, I think at that point, you could probably afford to like start tr- trimming. I don't want to say dead wood, but guys that are no going to be getting. I'm, I'm talking about guys like Eddie Gucci, maybe maybe McCarthy, even at a push. Stephen Welsh, if you're bringing this Japanese guy in and you hold on to Jens, for me then, if you trim the squad a wee bit and add maybe two players that are going to improve what you would perceive as the, your best eleven in January and maybe another two again in the summer window I, I, I believe that Ange can get the players I believe he's probably already working on it that's the hope anyway I think if we add maybe three or four top players to what we've already got and 
hold on to the guys and trim the squad a wee bit to free up wages and stuff. I think that's the way we need to go in order to give us the best chance of progression in the Champions League next season. Yeah, I would agree with that, mate. And um, just a sort of couple of points to round off, obviously, back to domestic action on Wednesday night. Hopefully we'll be looking for another three points. Um, massive game, last away game before the, the World Cup starts, Francis. Um, what's your, your sort of, obviously, we obviously want to win the match, but what, what do you predict? Some uh, line-up and score predictions against the the Steel men? Uh, I think it, it might be a wee bit of tricking, but being the last... Last away game, Motherwell aren't aren't brilliant. They lost at Hearts uh, yesterday as well. And I think Hearts were down to ten men. Um, but I I think I think we'll get a one, and it may. I, I'm going to go back to my my old comfortable two and I was. I think it, I say it'll be. I don't think it'll be cruising, but I think we'll just score either side of half time. Just a nice a, a nice Christy Christy two and for us. Uh, my team, I would go with, I think, Hart. I think Ralston will keep his place. Uh, and then, I, I, don't, I, think, I don't think Starfield will come back, even looking back in the Bernabeu. I think he'll, he'll stick with CCV, Jens. Taylor, I think, will obviously uh, take back his place at left-back. Uh, the midfield, I think O'Reilly's got to keep that six. And then Hattati and I think Moy will come in to play. And the maestro. Then, the maestro. <laughs> I think, I'll, again... It sounds silly after Kyle scoring at the weekend. I would want Jack and Marcus to start again, but I think I think it'll be Kyogo, uh, Haksavanovic, and nah, ah, uh, uh, nah. I ha- I've got to stick with Haksavanovic, Kyogo, and you're up top. I was going to chuck a bad in there, but no, yeah, well, there you go. Strong team, Franny, and you said hassle free two uh, now. I've gone back to the back to the old school. You tried and trusted. Aye. Good man. <laughs> yourself, um, I, I, I expect a comfortable night. Um, I think, I think uh, off the back of the two late goals, I think the team will be buoyed off of that, and I think they'll, 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 they'll realise how flat they were after that VAR decision. I think they'll have a, a stronger performance on Wednesday night. Um, I'm going to go four now uh, for my score. Uh, and my team I'll go Hart uh, I agree with Franny I think Ralph's will keep his place I think he he performed really well at the weekend and any time he has come in this season he's performed really well I would say that when they're both at their best Juranovic is the preferred option but right now Juranovic is no firing on all cylinders so I I, I would go with Ralston again uh, same centre half as Franny Jens and CCV Taylor, midfield, I'll go uh, O'Reilly, Hattati, and I think probably Moy will come in again. Uh, and then my front three, I'll go, I think I'll play Kyogo again, and I'll go Jota on the right and Maeda on the left. And would you say you're 4 0? 4 0. I had the same team as you, Ross, just with the exception. I had um, Jota on the left and Abada on the right, but I was starting Kyogo as well. But yeah, that's that's my team as, as, as well. Uh, Franny, I think I'm going to go with you, my friend, because I know we, it's a scoreline we like. I'll go settle for a wee pass <laughs> uh, 2-0 as well. And uh, just a couple of wee milestones, boys, just before we round off proceedings for tonight. Of course, yesterday, 
135 unbroken years of unbroken history and unrivaled success as uh, the world's greatest football club celebrated its birthday. And um, it's 10 years to the day since uh, we put um, what many say the greatest club side ever assembled uh, to the sword at Celtic Park. We're 11% possession. Uh, just shows you. Maybe those guys that say stick in and just part the bus have maybe got a point. Um, just your, your quick couple of sentences, your love for the club and your memories of that night, Fanny. I mean, the love for the club, it's just it's something you're born with, like your dad drills into you and stuff. And incidentally, like my dad, I'm assuming you couldn't beat that game for some reason, Oscar. Or were you at I that was. Game? I was so there for you. Nicola, yeah. It was I couldn't remember if it was your <laughs> Nicola, wasn't it? Because I can remember my dad being there who, not admit to being a glory hunter when it comes to Scotland, but my dad's the ultimate glory hunter. He's Celtic, Man United, and uh, Barcelona. I mean, that <laughs> is just absolute glory hunting to the highest order. So it was great to take my dad, give the guy, my dad the opportunity to beat that game. Because um, my sister, I can't remember why she couldn't make it. I think she probably thought we were going to get scudded. <laughs> and then just in the go, and then obviously got my dad got to see other Barcelona players that he loves seeing. Obviously, his first love Celtic, but I just to, to be there in that night where you done you done the unthinkable, like you say, with eleven percent possession, he somehow beat that Barcelona team. But ah, uh, it was what a night that was. And was that not like well, that would have been the hundred twenty fifth anniversary. Hundred twenty fifth. Aye, was that? Like me, like I was I was ready to talk about that going out was a button. I was like, I've just done the hundred and thirty five year in that. It's easy to do ten year, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Um, what a night. What a night that was. Uh, it certainly was. It was special, absolutely special. And uh Ross, just a, a quick sum up for your your love of the this rather incredible football club and uh your own memories of the night that we put Barca to the sword. Aye, I mean terms of love for the club, it's it's ridiculous it, it's an obsession so then I mean if we started doing this podcast it's become even more of an obsession um, at the moment I've not got a season ticket and it'll be difficult to get one back I had one for a good number of years me and Franny used to go together uh, and we were there uh, that night for that Barcelona game uh, right behind the goals uh, can still see when Yama header that ball into the net Towering over, I can't mind, but he, he towered over who the def- whoever the defender was, I can't mind. He powered the header in. And then, again, we're right behind the goals. You see Tony Watt getting played through and you're like, he's never been... I mean, it puts all the argument that I've said tonight about experience to bed. <laughs> Tony Watt on the park, one chance, sticks it in the net. Unbelievable finish, by the way. What composure oh, for a young guy. So I've just stepped over my 10-minute point I made about 10 <laughs> minutes ago. But <laughs> aye, it was unbelievable. Uh, and at that point, you're like, right, we're beating the best team in the world 2-0 here. But then they get one back near the end and you're like, that's going to happen. They're going to they're going to get the equaliser and take it away from us. Similar to like what happened when Lee Griffiths got the two free kicks and then... I'll still never believe what Armstrong done. Cheers, Jed. And Thanks for that. Harry Kay. So, yeah, Ideal, Jed. Um, <laughs> I'll just go away. <laughs> uh, aye. Similar in Harry Kane broke her hearts at Hamden, and I thought it was going to happen that night with Celtic. It didn't. Again, like you say, 11% position. 
uh, position, possession. Uh, for me, if Celtic, Celtic could play that game another hundred times and lose it a hundred times the way they played, but that night, everything just came together. It was 125 year anniversary. It was written in the stars that we were going to get that big win like we always do. Uh, on milestones, the club always come up with the goods. It's just what we do. It's 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 in us, and it was an absolutely fantastic night. One of my favourite nights at Parkhead, under the lights, tremendous. That was man. It was it's it's still up there for me. I, I, I just you goosebumps just thinking about it. But um, as you do, just be anything involving this uh, magical club of ours. As I say, hundred thirty five years young. Uh, 113 major honours in the bank and uh, of course the big one uh, was secured um, in 1967 that always cemented us as the undisputed top dogs in this land and uh, here's to many many more years uh, unrivaled success uh, for the boys in green and white uh, but that brings tonight's proceedings to an end boys, uh, have you enjoyed this one tonight? Ah, it's First class kid Brilliant uh, And thank probably. you Jed I'll take you on. I'm a sucker for a free visit. It's always better when it's free. And uh, (laughs) just a a big thanks to everyone in the comments as well for getting involved. We appreciate them all. And Stephen's been trying to get as many up as he he can. And we'll we'll be trying to incorporate that into the discussion and the debate as well. So thanks again to all you. If you've enjoyed enjoyed, uh, tonight, don't forget to subscribe and uh, sort of encourage others to do the same as well. Don't worry, Stephen, I've not forgotten. I'm coming to it right mm-hmm. next just before we finish up. Uh, because we're and the viewer takeover. And the viewer <laughs> takeover, yep. Uh, if anyone's uh, had seen a couple of weeks ago, uh, months ago, we had uh, Kaiser on to start it, and uh, last Friday we had Jed Thomas on uh, for the, the, the chat as well, getting involved in the viewer takeover. You can come on. Share your views at Celtic and uh, just kind of, you know, l- 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 give us all your opinions on, on what you fancy uh, and what you think about everything that's going on at the club at the moment. If you want to do it, just get involved. Either drop the comments um, on on YouTube or get involved with one of us on the on the socials. And um, we're more than happy to have you on uh, for the viewer takeover episodes. And uh, guys, I think we'll definitely have you back on, my friend. It was a brilliant show when you were on. And uh, also this weekend. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be, we'll have the regular Friday night show uh, at 8 o'clock, but then on Saturday after the Ross County game, uh, we're going to try our first live reaction pod. Um, it's, we're not going to do it after every game, we're just kind of going to try and do it perhaps maybe once a month or so just to start us off. Um, so the boys will be on show for that. So that's straight after uh, the final whistle on Saturday night, but I'm sure Stephen will fill us in more on Friday night about that. And next Monday, we're going to be doing a Champions League Rewind as well. We've been doing this throughout the, the course of the season. So we're up to season 0405 now. Uh, I'll be on next week uh, hosting that, looking back uh, when we drew Barcelona, AC Milan and Shakhtar Donetsk in the group. It's incredibly we never made it through. Um, but that's us all for tonight, guys. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks again for watching and stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail. <laughs>